0: Hey guys, your host Matt Perry here. Exciting news for old time radio forever. We've just recently started working with our new sponsor, Podcorn.com. P-O-D-C-O-R-N.com. Podcorn.com is an online marketplace that connects podcasters to podcast advertisers. There is no middleman with Podcorn.com. You as a podcaster, or if you wish to be an advertiser, you simply search through advertising opportunities, and you work together to produce great podcasting content. For you podcasters out there, there is no worry. You lose none of your exclusive rights to your podcast, and all Podcorn does is help you get connected to potential advertisers. The great thing about Podcorn working with Old Time Radio Forever is it allows me to devote more time to the program. So now, there'll be more episodes each week, and inside of each Old Time Radio Forever episode, you have multiple Old Time Radio shows. So, show a big thanks to our new sponsor, Podcorn, and click the link in our description below, or head on over to podcorn.com.
1: This morning, Mr. Bobby. Uh, oh, hello, oh, Marshal.
2: Uh, oh, oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Morning, Mr. Dillon. Morning, Sam. Is uh, Kitty around? Oh, don't know if she's up yet, but if she is, she ought to be down soon. <laughs> oh, I'll wait. Nippy this morning. Oh, feels good. It's a nice time of year, huh?
1: Well, I don't know. I. I kind of like spring stuff. Uh,
2: Sam, you better wash that glass over.
1: Huh? Hmm? Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, can I get you something? Beer, maybe? Uh, Got any coffee? Sure. Just made a
2: bottle. Oh, I'll
1: be fine. That's pretty,
3: ma. <laughs> you got a pretty
2: voice. Oh, he's good enough for calling hogs, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you just get up?
3: Oh, a while ago. Why?
2: Oh, it just strikes me I haven't seen you close to early like this. Uh-huh. No, no, I, I, you look fine. I, 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 oh, mean, I, I mean that you...
3: You better quit
2: by your head. <laughs> yeah, I guess.
3: Where's Sam? Oh, he's
2: bringing in coffee.
3: Oh, Sam cup for me, please.
1: Sure, Miss Kitty.
3: What's the occasion, Matt?
2: Uh, Kitty. Um, there's a party tomorrow night, a dance. Uh, it's a benefit for the new school down at the hall, you know? <laughs> and, uh, ever fellows to bring a girl? It, you know?
3: <laughs> it happens at dances. Go
2: on. Well, uh, when I'm trying to. Will you go? Uh, with me?
3: I'd kind of like to, Matt, but. No, thanks. Oh. Well, i got to work here, you know that. Besides. Well, you I... ought
2: to be able to get off.
3: Well, even if I could, ladies might not take kindly to it, madam. Not rightly polite society. Ah, oh, what
2: do you care about? Well, the... oh,
3: thanks anyway, Matt. Ah, that smells wonderful. Sammy, I think I'll marry you. <laughs> me? <laughs>
2: shocks.
1: Me? Oh,
2: Shocks. <laughs> uh, listen, Kitty, about the dance, I, I've already bought
3: the You're, you're and sweet, Madam. I thank you kindly for thinking of me, but... Uh, you better ask someone else.
1: Well, it, it isn't...
2: Sam... Will, will you go and polish up your glasses, please?
1: Hmm? Oh, sure, Mr. Dillon. Sure. Uh-huh.
2: Now, look, Kitty, I'm asking you to go with me. It... Well, it's important to me that you go.
3: Are you to love to me, Matt? At this hour in the morning? No, no, I,
2: I mean it. I, I want you to go to the dance.
3: You want to be embarrassed. You want everyone to stare at us. You know what they'll say? My, my, the Marshal really should have better sense than to bring that woman here. It ain't decent. It ain't proper.
1: <laughs> oh, Kitty.
3: Well, it's true. I'm a hostess at the Texas Trail, a saloon. You know what they think about me.
1: Well, I...
2: Will you go, Kitty? No. I'll call by for you at 7, huh? I'll
3: drink a bottle of whiskey and clout some old bitty on the head. Then you'll be sorry. Oh, Kitty. I haven't got anything to wear, Matt. I can't wear my working clothes. You look just
2: fine like you are, Kitty. Just fine. Just like you are. Marshall. Yeah?
3: I shouldn't, but I guess I'll go to the dance with you. (laughs) I'll be ready at 7.
2: How do you talk about a woman like Kitty? The color of her hair, eyes, the shape of her legs, the way she spoke, thought. Well, that's a picture you had to get by looking and hearing, otherwise you'd, you'd never know it. And I felt real good about taking Kitty to the party. The first time we'd really be out in company. And I liked
1: the idea. Good
2: morning, Mr. Dillon. Good morning, Chester. Nice day. What is that? That, Mr. Dillon? Yeah, all over my desk, that ink. Yes, sir, I know. I was just cleaning it up, Mr. Dillon. Seems like a big blue-bottle fly, last of his kind this fall, I guess. Big, cool blue-bottle fly was a-setting on your desk, Mr. Dillon. Oh, you're slopping it all over the floor, Chester. Yes, sir, I see it. That lazy fool blue-bottle fly was a-stomping all over your desk, Mr. Dillon, and I took a flak at him with a paper I happened to have in my hand, and I got him. Well, thanks a lot. Well, that's all right, Mr. Dillon. If there's anything in this world I hate, it's a big, naggedy blue-bottle fly. Yeah, 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 I know, Chester. Uh, Did the mail come in yet? Yes, sir. A couple of minutes ago, it's right over there. Oh, Okay.
1: I think that should do it, Mr. Dillon.
2: All right, Chester.
1: Anything likely in the
2: mail, Mr. Dillon? No, no. Uh, Look, Chester, uh, we better get these government circulars posted. Uh, Would you do that for me? Yes, sir, I'll do that.
1: Uh, Say, Mr. Dillon?
2: Yeah, what is it, Chester?
1: About the dance
2: tomorrow... Now, what about it? Well, you're going, aren't you, sir? Doc's going. He's <laughs> taking Mcnish. I'm going. Everybody's going. You are going, aren't you, Mr. Dillon? Yeah, I'm going. Don't seem right, a man you're standing not to go to a big social like work. You are Yes. Well, that's fine. Just fine. Doc and, and me, we were talking, and it just didn't seem right to us that a man like you didn't have no real nice, sweet girl to escort to a big social. I got one, Chester. A real nice sweet girl. I'm taking Kitty. Miss Kitty? I asked her before I came down and she accepted.
1: Well.
2: That's good. Miss Kitty, yeah. Uh, that's right, Chester. Uh, I uh, gotta get a couple of letters off to Washington, Chester. You you want to go and see about posting those circulars, huh? Yes, Mr. Dillon. Ah, fine. Uh
1: mm-hmm.
2: Oh, what is it, Chester? Well, Mister Dillon, it it ain't none of my business, and I I did not have no right to say it. Say what?
1: Well, sir, I I
2: yeah. I was wondering if I might borrow one of them fancy ties off you for the party. That's not your business. That's what you haven't got any right to say.
1: Yes, sir. No, that's right.
2: You're a liar, Chester. But you can borrow a tie.
1: I thank you kindly, Mr. Dillon.
2: You worked for a long time with a man. And you share a lot of life and a lot of death. And after a while, you you know him even better than yourself. Well, that's the way it is with Chester and with me. Now, he had something on his mind, and I figured after a while he'd get it off. Well, the morning went, and it was almost known when Chester came back. Gonna go have some dinner, Mr. Dillon? Yeah, I think I will. How about you? Hungry as a ragged bone possum. <laughs> Did you get the posters up? Yes, sir. Well, okay, let's go. Uh Mr. Dillon? Yeah? I guess there's something you ought to know, sir. There's talk. Yeah. All right, Chester, come on, get it out. It's all over town. About you taking Miss Kitty to the dance tomorrow night. What do you mean, all over town? I only asked her this morning. Yes, sir, I know. Best I can figure, Sam over at the Texas Trail must have heard you and let it slip. There's been a mighty fierce mess of gun clobbering up and down. All over. All right. Uh, Thanks for telling me, Chester. You didn't eat none of my business. Yeah, I know. You said that before. Yes, sir. I surely did. Well, let's go get something to eat. It's hard to tell about people. Maybe it's hard to tell about yourself because you come under that same heading, people. And when they're mean and small, there's not an animal to touch them. Chester and I walked down the street, and it didn't take long to hear and see what was going on. Some of the drifters leaning against the wall on the corner came right out with it.
1: Morning, Marshal. I understand there's a
2: galantine's got herself a new boat. What did you say? <laughs> Maybe you ought to look into it, Marshal.
1: Folks are being downright rude. Mister, you're going to. Come on, Chester. <laughs> <laughs> Oh me. Every one. Yeah. What are you gonna charge him with? Pestilence, Mr. Dillon, just plain pestilence. I knew better what Kitty had
2: meant about the ladies of the town when a couple came out of Olivet's dry goods store. He didn't see me until it was
1: um, too late. To the Dance Committee. It's
3: in that's what it is. Why, she's common. Nothing but a common, saloon woman. What's this city common to when a United States Marshal. Ooh.
1: Morning, Miss Sprinkle. Uh, mm, mm. When a man's born. They say
2: he's blessed or cursed with a, a lot of things already in him. Take pride, for instance. Sometimes pride can be a curse. Well, maybe I had more in my share. Maybe it would have been a sight kinder if I'd not taken Kitty to the dance. But I did.
1: We will return for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, this hint for weekend driving. Whatever you do, be moderate. Be obedient to all traffic laws. Be careful. Use your head and don't take chances. Now for the second act of Gunsmoke. Smoke.
2: I picked up Kitty at the Texas Trail at 7 the next evening. She was waiting by the side door, and when I saw her, she she kind of moved back in the shadows, almost as though she was ashamed for me to see her. Hi.
3: Hello, Matt.
2: Are you all set?
3: Oh, I guess so. Uh, Matt, are you sure? Hey, Kitty,
2: you look fine. Hey, you
1: look just fine.
3: (laughs) Do you like it? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I like it.
2: We walked along the street down to the hall, and I I kept looking at her like... Like I say, you know, you you, you had to know this, Kitty, to understand what I mean, and even then you get a surprise. She was like a 17-year-old on her first date, and she was like... All the women you'd ever known and loved, soft and innocent. And something else, something that's female and you can't figure out what. Something that makes you drunk without a drink inside you. It was snowing a little and the flakes caught in her hair and melted into the black of her velvet cloak. And just before we went in, I looked at her again.
1: And I didn't care. I I was
2: proud she was with me.
3: Uh, oh, evening, Marshal Dillon Evening,
2: Miss Murphy. Uh, you know Miss Russell?
3: I do You have your ticket, Marshal Dillon?
2: Oh, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Here we are
3: Fine uh, Go right in, won't you? Oh, sure Oh, I... Uh... Excuse me, Mrs. Murphy. Is there somewhere I can put my cloak? Oh, uh, uh yes, yes, of course. Uh, the ladies' reception room is right through
1: there.
3: I, I didn't catch the name. Catherine Russell, ma'am. Excuse me, ma'am. Yeah,
2: sure, I'll, I'll
3: wait for you. Thanks.
1: You better. Yes. <laughs>
2: I could see them through the big open doors in the hall. They were all there, faces flushed, smiling, happy, dancing. And all the women seemed pretty and the men handsome. And Chester was up on the platform calling the dance, and Doc was fitting. And I was waiting for my dancing partner, Miss Kitty Russell.
1: What took you so long? I'm
3: sorry, Matt. I had a skirmish with one of the genteel females in there.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. What's this, she? You know, I get the
3: idea. I'm not welcome around here. Uh,
1: uh, Let's go in and get some punch, huh? Sure.
2: (laughs) All right, John.
1: Oh, that's a nice dress, Kitty.
3: Oh, God, I haven't worn it since a few years back in New Orleans. Hey,
1: Marshall. Oh, Miss Kitty. Doc. Well, hi Oh, fine, oh, Doc. Doc.
3: <laughs> I, uh, I see. we got a bottle of whiskey outside. You care to join it? <laughs> oh, this punch. You blew it. <laughs> uh, not right now,
1: thank you, Doc. Oh, Miss well, Kitty. I
3: saw you come in. Best-looking woman in here.
1: <laughs> oh, there's lots of scratches going on. <laughs> thank you. If you see
3: Mrs. McNish, don't tell her where I am, will you? <laughs> Man gets kind of
1: dry, fiddling. No, so long. So long, Doc. Uh, Kitty? I guess so. Uh, Mr. Sprinkle, have you met Miss Catherine Russell? Uh, no, no, I'm afraid I haven't. You got a short
3: memory, Mr. Sprinkle?
1: Huh? I could have
3: saw it was you on the Texas Trail a couple of weeks back. Drunk in a rude owl? Don't you remember I had to slap your face? Uh,
1: I I think... Edward? Edward? Yes, dear?
3: You let somebody else take care of the punch. I want you to come with me. Oh, Lord.
1: I I promise. I'm I'm on the committee. Even,
2: Miss Sprinkle.
3: I have no wish to speak to you, Marshal Dillon, or this woman you brought with you. I will not have my husband serving such people.
2: Aren't you being a trifle bad-mannered, Miss
1: Sprinkle?
3: How dare you say that? Well, aren't you? I suggest that you leave, Marshal. You're not wanted here. Not with that woman you've seen fit to bring. Come on, Matt. I want to go.
2: No. This is a public dance, Miss Sprinkle. Right now, you're trying to make it private. If you can't behave like a lady, I'll thank you to leave this lady's presence.
1: Well, now, see here, Marshal, you can't talk
2: like that to my wife. Hey,
3: Kitty! What do you say, Kitty? <laughs> Matt,
1: please, I want to go. We're not going
2: anywhere. We're staying.
1: How about some music? All right, now, folks, it'll be a while. Oh, A <laughs> A
2: Thanks for the punch, Mr. Sprinkle. Come on, Kitty.
3: I warned you, man. Now, please, will you take me out of here before something happens?
2: Nothing's going to happen, Kitty. You and me are going to dance, have a good time, that's all. You're
3: acting like a kid. Ma'am, it won't work. I've seen this kind of thing before.
2: May I have this dance, Miss Kitty?
3: Please, Matt you are being pig-headed, and you know it. Let's
1: get out. You refusing me, Miss Kitty?
3: Oh,
2: Matt. We danced. But it wasn't what I hoped it would be. Kitty closed her eyes. I guess she was trying to blot it out, but I could see the other couples looking, whispering, and one by one dropping away over into a small group that got larger. There were only about six of us left when the wall ended. That's when the stranger and a couple of his pals walked out onto the floor. They were drifters. Probably been in town for a week.
1: And they were having their fun before they moved on. Marshal, I
2: got a painful duty. Yeah? The folks in this town seem real upset about you bringing that. Mm, woman in here. What's your name? Oh, I'm just a fella. I kind of made myself my friends here at Committee of Three, seems as how everything's done by committees here, and we... <laughs> yeah, we figured it would be best if you take your... Um, home. Mister, I'm the marshal in Dodge City, and I... I'm leaving. You're staying here, Kitty. She's smarter than you, marshal. Everything all right? Everything's fine, Chester. Now, this ain't a matter of law, you know, marshal. It's decency and, and what's right. Yeah, I'm marshal. This ain't right. right. Mister? I'm taking this badge off. Chester, you stay here with
3: Kitty. Matt, don't you do it. Now, come Matt. on
2: outside. You! We're going to talk some more about this out there. Ah, oh, it's cold outside. Now, you be a good fellow and get out of where you ain't wanted. You know I won't hit you in here, don't you? Were well, you thinking of doing that, Marshal? Now, that ain't lawful. I ain't done nothing. Kitty. Kitty, wait. Now, now there's a gal with sense. All right, oh, mister. Now, yeah. oh, I'm telling you. You and your pals are going to have to come out sooner or later, and when you do, you better start hightailing it out of Dodge before I catch up with you. We'll think of that. We sure will. will. (laughs) Marshal. Just three no-good drifters, hating the law, finding pleasure in trouble. Kenny had gone, and I went out into the street. It had stopped snowing. Just cold. Much colder. I went up to the Texas Trail. There was only two people in there. Some guy dead drunk on a table, and someone else standing at the bar looking into the mirror at me.
1: Um, well, you haven't, Mr. Dillon. Nothing, sir.
3: Yeah. Well, uh, I got some things to do in the back. Give me a call if anyone comes in, will you?
1: Yeah, sure. I'm sorry. I'm. mad. mad. Oh, Kitty. Oh, it's all right. Sure, it's. Bad. I'm so mad. I I could. Yeah, I know. Right? I should have known better.
2: No, it, it was me.
1: Not you. Sure. No,
2: it wasn't that either. It was all those polite ladies and
1: gentlemen. <laughs> Give me a curtsey, Yeah. Here. It's mm-hmm. oh.
3: been a long time since I cried. Yeah, sure. It wasn't so much for me, for you. Or what. I wanted to cry right there in the hall. Watching you and knowing there was nothing you could do.
2: Nice mess of people we got from the dodge. No,
3: it's not them, man. It's me. I've run into this before. The only difference was I didn't have you around. I wanted it to be right tonight because of you.
2: A lot of narrow minded prayer spouting.
3: Yeah. They hurt your pride, didn't they?
2: No. No, it, it wasn't that. No. No, I... I wanted you to go with me.
3: That made me real happy. But maybe we're different, Matt. You and me figure life different to them. That's not their fault. There's a lot of folks there I know. I I smile at them on the street. They talk to me. But tonight, pulled well, that was different. I made them uncomfortable.
2: yeah. Oh, I didn't do a bad job with you. Oh,
3: you can't look at it that way. And you can't go fight in the whole town, either. There's
2: three fellas going to get hurt.
3: No, I don't want you to do that, Matt. Just let it go. Let it go, Matt. They don't mean nothing. You know what means something to me? What? That you asked me to go to the dance with you. I knew what was going to happen, but it was worth the chance.
1: I thank you for it, ma'am. You're a funny one.
3: Am I?
2: (laughs) But you sure showed them up, those women. (laughs) The way you look. I'm glad.
3: (laughs) You know, you look pretty fine yourself. Sam! Yeah?
2: Uh... You got any champagne, Sam? What? Have I got any what? Champagne. Oh, yeah. I guess maybe.
3: A bottle, too? Yeah, maybe. Sure. Well, break it out. All right.
2: Miss Kitty? think the next dance is mine. Oh, Matt.
3: I'd be real pleased, Mr. Dillon.
1: Gunsmoke. Under the direction of Norman MacDonald,
2: stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by Anthony Ellis, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were John Boehner, Vivi Janice, Bob Sweeney, Lawrence Dobkin, and Mary Lansing. Parley Bear is Chester, Howard McNair is Doc, and Georgia Ellis is Kitty. Gun Smoke is heard by our troops overseas through the worldwide facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of
1: the wild violence of the West in Gun Smoke.
2: miss Robert Trout and his timely roundup of world news tomorrow on most of these same CBS radio stations. Roy Rowan speaking. And remember, Amos and Andy are here every Sunday on the CBS radio network.
4: On stage tonight, transcribed from Hollywood, another in the Wheaties big parade of exciting half hour presentations. Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Pearson. Texas, more than 260,000 square miles and 50 men who make up the most famous and oldest law enforcement body in North America. Now, from the files of the Texas Rangers come these stories based on facts. Only names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Tonight's case, The Broken Spur.
2: Saturday night, June 5th, 1948. The time, 10 p.m. On a small ranch ten miles south of Cranston, Irwin County, Texas, Milton Thomas was counting a large sum of money. Territory to lock me up tonight. As he was counting, his dog Rags appeared to be nervous. Thomas tried to quiet him.
5: Rags, stop that you making me count wrong. Fifty, one hundred. What uh, is <laughs> Kemp <laughs> here Now stop it! Quiet back! Stop! Stop! Who's there? Chief. What do you want, Kemp? I want a dog to you. seems oh. oh. to me it's awfully nice to be knocking at people's doors. How did you get out that, Lord? That dog, what are you trying to Get do do your dog back, Lord. Get back or you'll get the same thing. Get away from that dog. Give me that money. No, no, I won't. Right, you asked for it. No, 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 no. Shut, no. No. shut, shut no, up, shut me. up. Let go of my legs. Let let's go. No. All right, then.
4: Tales of the Texas Rangers will continue in just a
2: moment. If you've got a job to do tomorrow, partner, get your Wheaties. Sure, Breakfast of Champions is for you, just like it's for Ralph Kiner prior to the Pittsburgh Pirates. You may not play ball for a living, but whatever your job is tomorrow, you can do it better on A Better Breakfast. And at the Better Breakfast, you're starting with Wheaties. There's a whole kernel of wheat in every Wheaties flake. Yes, whole wheat. Good, sound, whole wheat. Pump and ripe and bursting with vitamins and minerals and protein for your vitality, your energy, your working power. So tumble the Wheaties out of the package, pour on the milk, put on the fruit, pick up the spoon, and smile. You're eating good to be feeling good. Breakfast of champions for people who are going places. Are you ready? them. See how Wheaties at seven can help at eleven. At ten thirty the same night, Milton Thomas's house was discovered on fire. The Cranston Fire Department was called. Next morning, the local sheriff, making a routine investigation, discovered the burnt remains of a broken chair next to Thomas's body. He ordered an autopsy. The results prompted him to call the Texas Rangers. Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned to the case and arrived at the scene of the fire early that afternoon. Well, howdy, Ranger. I'm Sheriff Tax. Howdy. My name's Jace Pearson. Come on, I'll show you the house. Or what's left of it. Yeah. All right, folks, step back, please. Shouldn't have all these people walking around here, Sheriff, Ruin any footprints there might be. I had my deputy here just a few minutes ago, Pearson. And I sent him down to get some coffee.
5: All right, folks, step back away from the house, all of you. Now get back to the fence, please.
2: All burned out except for the wall, but you may find something. You said when you called you didn't think it was an accident. I've been Sheriff here for 18 years, and I'll stake my reputation it wasn't. It was ours to cover murder. Based that on the autopsy. Yep. Coroner couldn't find any traces of carbon granules in the bronchial patches or lungs, and only the normal amount of carbon monoxide in the lungs. Indicating Milk Thomas wasn't breathing when the fire started. Right. This was the front door. Burned off the hinges and fell out. That's funny. What? A lock on this door. Special kind. Picked the key on both sides. When the door is shut, you have to have a key to get out of the house as well as in. Oh that yeah. Milt no, was a funny old galoot. Had them put on both doors. The windows had big locks too. Why? Well, folks say he kept a lot of money in the house. Maybe just a story. Hmm. This lock's still working. Let's look at the back door. Oh, here's what's left the Nils' old iron safe. Open like that when you found it? Yeah. Well, this lock's not forced or broken. Kind of hard to tell much about anything after the roof fell in. Yeah, it's a mess, all right. Same kind of lock here on the back door. It's working, too. Meaning, whoever started the fire was locked in? Well, look here. Whoever it was, here's where he went out. See that window glass outside on the ground? Let's climb out and look. See, the heat didn't break it. It's not crazed. It was knocked out from inside. And do you think the killer was trapped inside? Could have been, after he set fire to the place. How about footprints, Sheriff? Oh, there's thousands of them. Volunteer firemen sent around all during the fire. Wait. Wait, here's something. Huh. Looks like a spur. That's exactly what it is. Broken off a spur, right below where the window was. Maybe busted off by a man jumping out the window with his tail feathers on fire? Maybe. I don't envy an nun, person. How come? Well, as a clue, the spur row is probably mighty important. But, but what, Sheriff? I was just thinking. There probably ain't over ten million spurs in the state of Texas with rows just like the one you got there in your hand. <laughs> well, your figure may be a little high, Sheriff, but I get your point. Yeah, hey, Jack! Yeah, what do you think you're doing, Jack? Oh, what's the matter, Sheriff? You know darn well what's the matter. I told you to keep that. I was just looking around. Well, stop kicking around those ashes. And the rest of you, that's evidence you're tramping on. We didn't mean no harm. Now listen, all of you. The last time I'm going to tell you, how'd you like it if we thought one of you was the criminal coming back to the scene of the crime and deliberately trying to destroy evidence?
5: Oh, okay, then. Get back or get off the property altogether.
2: Uh, Books say that's generally not true, Sheriff. Huh? About the criminal and the scene of the crime. Happens only once in a thousand times. Oh, I know it. I just want to throw a scare into him. I see. Oh, by the way, who was that fellow you were talking to? Him? His name's Casey. Jack Casey.
5: The
2: Sheriff and I went over the yard thoroughly any footprints the murderer might have left were trampled out by the firemen and the onlookers. Finally, some distance from the house, I found the place I was looking for. Sheriff! Huh? Come over here. What is it? Look, here's where he took off from. Footprint. Oh, footprints. Dug out in an awful hurry, too. And his horse headed to this tree. Seems to me any man who enters into the house would have tied up closer, Yeah, That's yes, logical. Horse chews on a tree. It might be a cribber. If we find our man, we'll likely find a horse that chews on his feed bins See, these tracks head west toward Snake Creek. You got a horse, Sheriff? I can get one. Good. I'll get mine out of the trailer. We're going to follow those hook friends. <laughs> Your horse off that
5: bank.
2: What? Right, right. What's the matter? Boot prints. good fresh ones. Oh, I thought for a minute you'd see a moccasin. This thing's full of cotton, now. Huh? I'll take my kit and make some the molds of these prints. And he dismounted here and led his horse across. Yeah, probably afraid of slipping on those flat mossy rocks. Mm. Small foot, about size seven or eight, I'd say. I'm track pattern, too. Not likely he was toting a heavy load. Probably a fat man. Fat? Yeah, look at his facts. Deep. Even in the dry places. I make tracks as deep as those, way over two hundred, but I ain't exactly fat. Oh, you're not fat, Sheriff. But what size boot do you wear? Eleven and a half? Did you ever see a man your height make a footprint this small? Well, oh, come to think of it, I don't suppose I ever did. Oh, wait a minute. That man who was poking around the ashes back at the house. Casey, was it? Yeah, Jack Casey. What about him? He's fat. Sheriff, was he driving a car or riding? Casey was riding his old paint mare. Say, she's a quiver. Then I'm going to need a warrant. As soon as I get this mold, I'm heading for town. Sheriff, either the books are wrong or this Casey is one in a thousand. Operator. Operator, this is Jack Casey again. What about that call I've been trying to get through for the last hour and a half? Yeah, Money, Texas, the Delta Sawmill Company. I know it's Sunday, but somebody's bound to. That. Oh, Jerry! What
6: are you doing with that gun?
2: Oh. oh, it's you. Operator. Hello, operator. Hey, you said you'd call me back every 20 minutes. It was over a half hour last time. Well, keep trying. <laughs>
6: Jack, who are you trying to call? What are you doing with your shotgun? Leave me alone, Martha. Where have you been since noon? You were supposed to meet me at the tapes for dinner. I know it. I know it. Who's that? Who is it? Texas Ranger. What? Jack, what have you done? Put that gun away. Get in the back room. You ain't fixing to shoot him, are you? If I have to. Jack, don't do it. Please, uh, Jack, don't be... Hold it, Ranger. where you are.
2: Put that gun down, Casey. You're not coming here. I got a warrant here that says I can. And I am. Jack, put it down.
5: Let's do that car. Oh, no.
6: You all right, ma'am? Yeah. yeah. I'm all right.
2: Shotgun's a nasty thing to carry around. cocked. Car. I'll just oh. take this. I want to look around a little. That's your bedroom? Yeah. Yours? Yes, it is. Are these your boots? Mm hmm. How'd you break this spur? Huh? Didn't know it was broken. Take these boots along. You
6: want
2: me to get it, Champ? No. Is somebody going to answer? Yeah, sure. Hello? What? Never mind, Casey. You better come along with me, Casey.
6: What's this all about, Ranger? Where are you taking Jack?
2: He thinks somebody killed Milk Thomas. The exact? He thinks I did. No. Oh. You seem to know some of the answers. Some of them. Before we go, Ranger, I'd like to ask you one question. Sure. What time did this so-called murder take place? About 10 o'clock last night.
6: 10 o'clock? Well, that's I'll weird. handle
2: this, Martin. Suppose I can prove where I was last night. We're just as anxious to prove a man innocent as guilty, Casey. Do you have any witnesses? About 300 of them. At 10 o'clock last night, I was sitting in the Cranston High School auditorium watching my niece graduate.
4: In just a moment, we continue with Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson.
2: If a man rides herd on a hundred head of cattle all day, first he needs his Wheaties. Yes, and if a man sits behind a big desk and pushes buttons on his job, first he needs his Wheaties. Well, listen, Mama, you too. If you keep track of a couple of growing up kids and wash dishes and make beds on your job, first you need your Wheaties. Jump, whatever your job, wherever you work. Wheaties can help. Whether you run a machine or pound a typewriter or play baseball for a living, first you need your Wheaties. Because here is whole wheat with the rich, full bodied energy of whole wheat. There's a whole kernel of wheat in every Wheaties plate. That's why Wheaties give so much. Vitamins, minerals, protein. Wheaties have them, and they're for you. Pour the Wheaties into the cereal bowl, add the milk, add the fruit, and dig right in. Do that at 7, and see how much better you're working when 11 a.m. rolls around. Yes, time every morning, crisp and tempting, and see if I'm not right. See if a better breakfast with the whole wheat nourishment of Wheaties doesn't make a pleasant difference in your morning's work. See if milk, fruit, Wheaties isn't honest and truly breakfast of champions. See yourself how Wheaties at 7 can help at 11. Casey stuck to the alibi that he'd been at the graduation the night before But I already had enough evidence to take him in While the sheriff was out asking questions around town I tried to break down Casey's story
5: I tell you I was there
2: All right, take it easy, Casey Let's assume for a minute you were And how do you count for the boot prints made by your boots And found near the scene of the crime? Lots of people wear boots. Could have been anybody. I'm afraid not. You see, I made plastic casts of those prints, and the boots, the ones you admitted were yours, matched the prints to the last nail mark. Hey. Well, I've tramped around this part of the country a lot of times. They could have been old prints. Uh-uh. These were fresh prints. Well, what about it? I don't know. All right, then. What about the row we found just outside Thomas' house? One broken off your spur. I don't know anything about that either. There's no point in withholding information, Casey. You know we'll find out about it sooner or later. How are you doing, Pearson? Did Casey decided to come soon. No, Chad. What about the niece, Sheriff? The neighbors say she and her family left on a vacation early this morning. You know anything about that, Casey? No. Too bad. Because I've had several interesting chats. Casey, I just talked to four people who were at the graduation exercises last night. Four people who know you. And not one of them remembers seeing you there. I was at the high school last night, I tell you. Casey, the sheriff talked to four people who didn't see you. Well, who did? I don't know. It was dark in the auditorium. Didn't you speak to anybody? No. Thing had already started. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. I talked to one of the ushers. What was his name? Wasn't a him, it was a her. One of the high school girls. Wearing a long pink dress, uh, Sheriff. Who's the principal of the high school? Mister. Shop, Warren Shop. All right. Lock Casey up. I'm going to find out who the ushers were, and especially the little girl with the long pink dress. Why,
7: why? Yes, sir. I, I remember Mister. Casey being there. With Mrs. Casey.
2: Are you sure, L.A.? This is very important.
7: Oh, sure, sure. They came in late and had to wait until the invitation was over. And then he asked for an aisle seat. He said he couldn't climb over people. He <laughs> said... Well, you know.
2: Yeah, I know. And he didn't leave at any time during the exercises.
7: Mm, not until near the end. They left just before the recessional, while everybody was standing and singing the class song.
2: What time was that?
7: Oh, a few minutes before 11.
2: All right. Thank you very much. Goodbye.
7: Was I any help, Ranger?
2: Yes, Ella You were a big help. I was stuck. It looked like I was going to have to release Casey. and I remembered something. The phone call that came in while I was out at Casey's place the one he'd been reluctant to answer. I dropped by the Cranston telephone office.
7: This is the call you wanted, Ranger. What was it? Mr. Jack Casey placed a call to the Elder Sawmill Company in Moni, Texas at 2.22 p.m. today. There was no answer, and when the Moni operator did get through, she called back at 3.40. But Mr. Casey had canceled it.
2: Do you know who the call was for?
7: Yes, sir. It was person to person to Mr. Ben Casey.
2: Ben Casey?
7: Mr. Jack Casey's son. But oh, do you know him? I used to. When? Well, we went to high school together. Some of my girlfriends and I used to go places with Ben's bunch, but my mother made me stop. She said he wasn't the kind of boy that girls should run around with. I see. And he finally left home. Couldn't get along with his stepmother.
2: Oh, then, Mrs. Casey's not his mother.
7: Oh, no, Ranger. They used to fight. Oh.
2: Go on. This may be very important.
7: Well... I heard that she and Ben fought all the time, and then one day after they had a big fight, Ben packed up and left.
2: Well, when was this?
7: Mm-hmm. I reckon it was a couple of years ago. He went down to Monie then and got a job at that sawmill there.
2: What does this Ben look like?
7: He's a spitting image of his father and just as fat too.
2: Have you seen him lately?
7: I saw him at the bus station. His father came and picked him up. When? Let's see, um, day before yesterday, Friday.
2: There was no doubt now why Jack Casey wasn't talking. He was protecting his own son. I put a call through to Mrs. Casey and met her at the sheriff's office.
6: I ain't saying this because he ain't my flesh and blood, Ranger, but Ben's bad, through and through. I might have known he was the one killed Milt Thomas.
2: Uh, Mrs. Casey, tell me about Ben. He came in Friday, didn't he? Yeah.
6: Come in on the bus and stayed over Saturday. He wanted to borrow money. He's always broke. gambles.
2: That's right, Pearson. Picked him up a couple of times for gambling. Go on, Miss Casey.
6: Well, like I say, he wanted to borrow $50 from Jack. But Jack didn't have it. He just paid off a note to milk Thomas, and he was kind of strapped.
2: Oh, your husband owed Thomas money?
6: Yes, but it was the last payment. Jack was joking about how Thomas always wanted trash money. Didn't trust Jack.
2: Did Ben hear him say this?
6: He sure did, Sheriff. And then he sucked around all day Saturday until we was getting ready to go to the commencement that night. And just before we left, he said he was going to use Jack's horse to go for a ride. At night? Yeah. Seems strange to me, too. And then he asked could he borrow a pair of Jack's boots. He was wearing flat-heel shoes. Uh,
2: They were the same size?
6: Oh, had ever since I can remember. Well, anyway, we went on to the graduation. And when we got home, the mayor was in the barn, still saddled, all sweaty. Looked like she'd been run almost to death. And Jack's boots were tossed on the floor, and Ben was gone.
2: All right, Miss Casey. That's all for now, and thanks.
6: You're welcome.
2: Come on, Sheriff. We're going on a little trip. Sheriff and I piled into my car and headed for Moni. As soon as we got out on the highway, I put in a call to my headquarters. Unit 10 to KTXA. Unit 10 to KTXA.
5: KTXA to Unit
2: 10. Go ahead, Unit 10. Unit 10 leaving Cranston State Highway 22 en route to Moni. Investigating murder suspect believed in the vicinity of Delta Sawmill will keep KTXA informed. Unit 10, 104. Sheriff, you know young Casey by sight, don't you? I watched him grow up. Good. If he's gone and we have to comb for him, I don't want to turn up the wrong fat man again. Oh, you'd know him now, after seeing his father. Except for age, they're the same. You mean except for age and the fact that the young one's a murderer. When we reached the sawmill, the moon was up. A full moon. There was a light burning through the window of one shack at the edge of the camp? We pulled up there and got out of the car and went in. Well, howdy, Ranger, Sheriff. Hi. right, we're looking for a man named Casey. Ben Casey? Yeah, you're on. Right. I don't know for sure. Sleeps in a big bunkhouse down the line. Which bunk? I'll show you if you like. Fine. Sheriff, maybe you better take a look through the mess hall. That boy like him might be fixing a late snack. If you don't find him, come up and meet me. And if you do find him, call me before you try and take him. Right. The bunkhouse is this way. No, no light in the place. Well, some of the boys was going into town for a moonlight dance. Don't know if Ben went with him or not. Has he been packing any money that you know of? Well, oh well, yeah. Come to think of it, he had quite a bit. Said he hit it lucky in the dice game that... It... Well, he did get it in the dice game, didn't he? If he did, the other fellow never got a chance to roll him. Oh? Uh, here we are. I'll light this lamp for you. <sighs> uh, Ben's sleeping that third bunk on the right. Thanks. I'll wait for him. All right, I'll get back to my books then. Just entered the shipment that's being hauled out tonight. That's why you found me working. Go ahead. But, uh, if you see Casey, don't mention I'm here. The foreman went back to his shack, and I ripped Ben Casey's bunk apart. There was nothing in the bunk of the covering. I dragged the footlocker out from underneath and was bending over it. Come on,
5: Ranger. Up with us and don't turn around.
2: There, up. What are you doing here? If you're Ben Casey, you know what I'm doing. This is the end of the road, boy. I'll take that lantern. Now, be careful of that, Ben. Remember what happened the last time you dropped the lantern? You're pretty smart, ain't you, mister? But I'm smart, too. Here's a present for you. The lantern hit the edge of the bunk and the flaming kerosene splashed over me. I beat the flames out with my hands and dove for the door. Rammed something against the outside of it. When I forced it open, I stumbled over a heavy log bench he'd used as a barricade. Hey, Ranger,
5: what is it? Casey, you see him, Sheriff? Well, somebody ran off that way. Where's the rail, Titan? Let's
2: go. We spotted him swinging up the side of a flat car as the train hit the main line and started to roll. We grabbed onto one of the last cars and scrambled to the top and started to work our way forward. There he is, about well, five cars ahead. I can't see him. Kerosene scorched my eyes. He's <laughs> up, all right, and shoot,
5: front flat. He'll crawl up on him. He can't go any farther than the length of the plane. There he goes, he's jumping. I see him, I'm going after him. I come up with you, he's <laughs> ready to the wheel.
2: Ten yards in, not moving. Keep low. We're silhouetted good against this clearing. What you doing, Pearson? Take it on not jacket. See if you can find a stick about five feet long. Well, here's a dead branch. These do? Fine. Give it to me.
7: What are you
5: fixing to do? I'm
2: going to put this branch through my coat sleeves like this. Here. I tell you, hold it up. I get it. Something to shoot Right. I'll fire this
5: gun flash.
4: All right, Casey. Come out with your hands up. It's your last chance, Casey. Okay, sheriff. Take the coat. You
5: got it. Come on. Don't shoot do me. Don't shoot me. Don't please. Please give me a chance.
2: Like you gave Mel Thomas. It was a short train ride, Casey, but I got a hunch you'll get a longer one soon. Come on. Mm-hmm. He confessed to the murder of Milt Thomas. On August 2nd, 1948, he entered Huntsville Penitentiary. His sentence, life imprisonment. Joe McRae, that was a great show tonight. Wheaties and I are proud of you. Thank you, Frank. I like to please the customers. Well, now, so do I. Take Wheaties, for instance. Frank. Are you going to say that Wheaties taste good? Well, yes, I was going to touch on that. And are you going to say that Wheaties are good for people? Yes, yes, I was going to say just that. Anything else? Well, no, I guess that just about covers it, Joel. Except to... Except telling people to get some. That's it, how'd you know? Well, that's easy, Frank. I'm a Wheaties eater myself. You hear that, folks? You too can be a Wheaties eater. As early as tomorrow morning. Breakfast of Champions, you know. Get some.
4: Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. This story was transcribed and adapted by David Bruce and was produced and directed by Stacy Keach. Al Gibney speaking.
2: And this is the Wheaties man, Frank Martin, inviting you to listen Monday night to Frank Lovejoy and Nightbeat on the Wheaties Big Parade. See you then. Tomorrow there's good listening with the Summer Symphony on NBC.